As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. It's pretty easy to go over a cliff if you don't have a deep why and if you don't understand that it is business and mistakes happen and you learn from them, you move on and you don't attach your entire being to those mistakes or to the real estate that you're doing. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to ask you, do you have a strategy right now where you are getting leads that come into your inbox while you're sleeping? Do you have a strategy where you are optimized with both Google AdWords and SEO, search engine optimization? If not, then guess what? Today's your lucky day. We've got a free strategy session just for you, and it's with Dan Barrett. If you recognize his name, he was a guest on episode 565, and he is the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy and get a free strategy session to learn with him how to implement an online strategy for your market in both SEO and Google AdWords. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out the fluff and we only talk about the best advice that moves your business forward. And today is Saturday. So because it's Saturday, we're going to be doing a special segment called Situation Saturday, where our best ever guest talks about a sticky situation they were in and how they overcame it so that if you come across a situation like this, well, you've got a roadmap for how to handle it. We're going to be talking to Damien Lupo. How are you doing, Damien? I'm doing great. It's awesome to be here. Thanks, Joe. Nice to have you on the show, my friend. Damien is the founder and CEO of Total Control Financial. He is the owner of an eight-figure real estate empire and has more than 30 businesses and companies. He's written six books, raised a million bucks in 85 days, and he's just doing a whole lot. He founded his own martial arts company, too. He's based in Austin, Texas. And today, again, we're going to be talking about a sticky situation that he has been in and how we can learn from it. With that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? 
My background was one of those guys that was watching a 2 a.m. infomercial back in 1999. I just read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I got excited about real estate. So I jumped in and started doing real estate and did the fix and flip, did the lease option, did all these crazy things I was learning from those creative books and the seminars that I went to. And I built this thing up because I was just focused and hungry and driven and went crazy, basically used every technique in the book and made up a lot of my own and built up an empire over about five years, built this $20 million portfolio. And I thought I was super, super smart. And I was good at being creative. I was good at finding a way for the how. I just didn't really have a why. So since I'm creative and I'm driven, I'm a little dangerous to myself because I just kept going for more and more and more. And what ended up happening is because I didn't have a why, I became pretty hedonistic with my whole life approach. And unfortunately, I think that that happens a lot of times where people just end up with the more and the excitement and it's all about the success. And so when I pushed that to a place where there wasn't any real guidelines for why I was doing what I was doing or framework of safety or foundation, when we had the meltdown, the situation that gets real sticky is when you have a $20 million portfolio with tons of investors and you signed on millions of dollars of debt and the market turns sideways, you start scrambling and I was scrambling, everything was falling apart. And when all of this really fell apart, I was giving properties back, I was going through this whole process. The sticky part of that was that I had tied my self-worth and my net worth together. So when I lost my net worth, I lost my self-worth. And the thing that people can learn from that that's so powerful is that you can make mistakes and understand it's part of business without having to say that you are your business. In that case, I was really my investing. I was my business. And it took me years to recover from that because I had intimately tied them together. I really stopped listening to people when my head got really big. So I made several million dollars and I got really, really, really smart in my own mind. I essentially got rid of my coaches and I was the smartest guy I knew. And at that point, all the mistakes that were really going to hurt me started happening. So that was really the background and the sticky thing, which can happen to anyone. You go out there and you, you bust your ass. You're creating, you're making money, buying investment properties, whatever you're doing, especially in the real estate world. And it's pretty easy to go over a cliff if you don't have a deep why and if you don't understand that it is business and mistakes happen and you learn from them, you move on and you don't attach your entire being to those mistakes or to the real estate that you're doing. Mm, wow. That is more than just a sticky situation. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, that is. is Armageddon from a real estate standpoint. Lots of lessons that I'm sure you learned philosophically, which you mentioned, don't tie your self-worth into your net worth. You're much larger than that. But I'm sure you also learned some tactical lessons too, which I imagine leads into your venture, Total Control Financial. What do you do differently now that you weren't doing before from an investing standpoint? Today, the difference in what I'm doing when I look at either deals or investments or anything, I'm always asking the question, does this deal or does this venture stand on its own? And if there are people involved, do I want to be married to the people that are involved? And so the tactic 
quickly, it's really easy to get involved with people because the story sounds good. And without really understanding that when we do a deal and there are other people involved, there is a bit of a marriage that happens. And marriages that don't go well because you have scumbags end up with really nasty divorces. So big question, big picture. I'm always going to make sure I'm doing any type of interaction with people that have integrity. And I made a big mistake with a number of people that I got involved with that I really got into bed with in the 2000s that there was a missing lack of integrity. And quite honestly, it was probably a reflection of some of my own issues with integrity because I was just all about how much more could I get and how much more could I spend and how big of a credit line could I get because I thought that was wealth. And then looking at so the people piece and then the deal piece, really looking at the deals, does the deal make sense, whatever I'm doing, or is it just a lot of smoke and mirrors? And that could be tax benefits. It could be the potential upside, and there's no real good reason to do it today. It's only if the market keeps going crazy. Like Things have to make sense today in reality. I'm very realistic-based, and I'm optimistic. I don't let the optimism destroy my insistence on looking realistically at whatever I'm doing. And I notice a lot of people are doing that, especially like in Austin, it's a very frothy market. There's a lot of excitement here. And it reminds me of 2005. So a lot of people aren't really dealing with reality because they see this giant upward movement in pricing. And I look at that and I go, okay, what does this really mean? Let's ask hard questions. And so tactically asking hard questions about people that you're working with, asking really who are they and the deals. What is this deal? Does it really make sense or am I just being sold a bunch of hot air and smoke? And so being real about things and being honest about the answers is a tactical mistake I made years ago that I tend not to make very often anymore. And it's also because I have a other people around me that are smarter than me and are more critical, like my attorney that's always asking painful questions that sometimes I don't want to answer, and yet I put them in place to challenge assumptions, or when I get super excited about something and I'm guns blazing and ready to go, it makes me answer the question and be realistic about what the truth is. What are some of those questions that the attorney asks that are painful? For example, bringing on new people into an organization, asking okay, you, you had a good gut instinct with this person. What's their real background? Have you gone three levels deep in their references? Have you pushed into what's real beyond just what they told you in an interview? That's part of the team members that when I'm bringing those people on, those are the questions I'm asking. I'm getting really deep into who they are. I want to know how they're going to respond under pressure. And so my team will put them in a situation where they're grilling potential new team members. So my attorney, my partner would be asking those questions. And then when I'm working with maybe a client doing some consulting on deals, I'll ask hard questions about the deals. For example, when the deal's being pitched, is the promoter putting money in? Is the promoter gonna be in the deal? Are they just throwing you something to collect a quick fee? Because people get really excited about the deals. I wanna know how the money is flowing. I wanna know what people do when they're not being watched. So sometimes I'm asking those questions and sometimes I'm having my team do that. And we're just asking as many questions as possible so that we don't miss something just because we're excited. When you were in the middle of the storm and you had the deals that were falling through, you had investors in those deals, what were the conversations like with the investors? That's actually one of the most painful things. It may be the most painful thing that I've ever gone through was having these conversations with people. And it's not something that I take lightly anymore. I think I took it real lightly back then. 
having people invest in deals and being excited without the experience of actually having lost anything, getting investors involved and going in on deals and they begin working, you feel really good. I felt really good, really smart, and everybody's happy. And then when things go sideways, back then there was a fear of saying, hey, stuff is going bad and I need to be straight with you and quickly. And so what happened eventually was when things fell and people lost money, me, I lost money and people lost money. People I'd known for decades, the conversations, I'll give you an example, guy I knew for 30 years since I was three years old. I remember him telling me, I literally hate you and I hope you rot in hell and you've ruined my life and I don't ever want to talk to you again. And knowing that his financial life had been completely blown up and I'm not going to take responsibility for somebody, but when I really take responsibility for myself and what I did and my part in that, it was brutal. And because my net worth and my self-worth and my business were all wrapped together, I went into a really dark space and it was because I wasn't being respectful with my investors and being really candid with them. And these are all things that are part of our value system now with the firm that I'm running that the idea of candor and being transparent with people, they were missing in the past. And I paid a price. I was, my heart was, was shredded and basically isolated because of that. And I will never, ever go back and never do that again. Mm. Thank you for sharing these stories and sound bites because it's something that we all need to hear, especially if we're bringing on partners or raising money. How much money did you lose personally and how much did the investors lose personally? Overall, that the portfolio of 20 million had a lot of debt. There were a number of foreclosures that happened. So banks probably lost three or $4 million. You know, there's a million dollars on, on credit cards that ended up getting vaporized. And then personally, my actual cash was probably about 4 million. The investors, I think, probably ended up being out, I'm guessing a million and a half to 2 million. So a professional investor that understands a deal and understands the risks, it's not really that big of a deal. They understand that things happen. It's the people and typically the early stage investors like me are going to friends and family. And those people tend to not understand risk. They look at a deal that we get excited about. And so when they invest 5,000 or 50,000 or 100,000, that actually matters when things go wrong. It changes their life. And so it's something that it can't be just blown off like it's not a big deal. So that million and a half dollars represented a lot of pain for people. And there were a few people that were really gentle and understood that I did not cause 2008 and it wasn't just me. And so that was helpful. That wasn't most of them. Most of them I'm sure to this day are pretty hateful. I hope nobody ever has to go through that. That's listening to this and maybe just learn from me and open up that conversation, being candid with people and let people know what the risks are. So you don't have to go into that dark space because it sucks. It's utter hell. Was there any possibility to pay the investors back the 1.5 to 2 million over time? There is the problem with the overall thing with the banks and the mortgages, the amount of money there, all I would have been doing, in fact, I had one of my investors say, why don't you just get a job at Starbucks and at least pay us something? And I thought, okay, so I can work at Starbucks for the next 50 years and I might get out of this and then I'll be dead. So is that something that could be done? Yes. And will it be done over time? Absolutely. That's something that it'll end up being a surprise to them because I know my route, my path to get there. And would it make it right by them? I don't know. 
And that's not why I would be doing it because I think a lot of times people want to just pay back investors so they can feel better. This is just something that I'm going to do because it's the right thing to do. And it's not about redemption or anything else. It's a choice I'm making. You can't necessarily make right that whole process when somebody loses their retirement money. It's just, to me, it's the right thing to do. And I'm going to take responsibility for everything that I did that led to whatever that was. And so that's my plan. That, that is what will happen. Out of the 1.5 to $2 million, how much, if at all, has been paid back through that plan? None of it's been paid back yet. It's been a painful process. There's no real way to, it's kind of like when I had a million dollars in credit cards and I was absolutely buried, paying 500 here and 1,000 here, you just you keep going backwards. So really, you have to think bigger and, and do something big in order to make a big surge because otherwise, you're going backwards the whole time that you're trying to chip away at this thing. And so I've got my plan to, to be able to do this. It's in motion. And I wish it had happened already. It takes time to recover. And a bigger part of this is really the emotional recovery. So even though it's been a number of years, it took probably a good four to five years after that event to even get to the place where I could not beat myself up and actually think straight and look at a real estate deal without wanting to vomit. That was a big part of the problem. Even though it's been eight years since the meltdown, a big chunk of that was just processing and dealing with that and coming up for air. That takes a lot out of you when you go through that meltdown. It's not just, oh, dang, I lost my money. It's recovering your self-worth and feeling like you're worth living and not being suicidal, which can easily happen. It's in dark thoughts going through this process. For someone who does go through this process in, in your shoes, what do you wish someone had told you when you're going through it that you didn't hear? I wish somebody, anybody, and this is my fault for not even really putting it out there. I wish somebody could come up to me and said, Hey, I'm with you. And I don't even know what's going on. If you don't share, they wouldn't know. I wish somebody had said that. And no matter what, I'm your friend and I'm here. And that would have made a huge difference. I was so afraid of sharing that really people didn't know the extent of what was going on, how much chaos, how much pain, how much anxiety. I mean, I ended up in the Mayo Clinic in the hospital going through testing thinking I had cancer or something because I was under so much pressure and it created so much toxicity in my system. And I didn't share that with people. So if anybody finds themselves in that situation, the worst thing is to isolate. And I absolutely isolated, went off the grid and thought that that was the answer. I think the opposite is really the answer. It's embracing people that care about you and asking for help and support and just asking for the love. Because we have people in our lives that will support us and love us. Oftentimes, the hardest thing is just saying, hey, I'm struggling. I need help. Can you just be with me? I didn't do that. Huge mistake. What else do you want to mention that we haven't talked about as it relates to going through something as financially devastating as what you went through and your investors went through? I think big picture plan and not just a number. I was pretty fixated on a number. I'm going to have this many millions of dollars. And when I had the 20 million, then it was a hundred million and it would have been a billion. It just kept going bigger and bigger. The thing, I think a big piece that was missing, Joe, was that I had a a lack of foundation. I didn't have things that would be there regardless of what happened. I didn't have retirement accounts or life insurance or passive income from an apartment that would survive a meltdown. All I had was stuff that was really hot. What wasn't stable, it was on fire. Everything was really burning hot. So building those foundational pieces and being willing to have a five or a 10 year plan that includes 
those structures that will last is it was also a missing piece. And when things crashed, one of my mentors who I met when I was 19 had a couple hundred million dollars worth of projects he'd done and had tens of millions in probably at the time 50-ish million in debt and none of it was recourse. So what that means for people that are listening is if the property goes bad or if you default and you hand the property back, the lender takes the property and they don't sue you. I got sued by lenders and they went after me because I had signed and guaranteed everything. And so he was smarter than me a thousand times because he set up foundational pieces like not putting his entire life on the line if the market went screwy. And that's a missing piece when you get real excited and, you, and you're, you're moving fast and you, you want to just go make money and you forget about the foundational pieces. Having missing insurance, missing tenant payments because you don't realize that they haven't paid you or you don't have a system. It's building a foundation that can support you as you grow. It doesn't mean being paralyzed by creating that foundation, which a lot of times happens. It's simply doing it. And maybe that's, I think that the smartest way to do that is by having a mentor, someone that's been through it before, holding your hand. And it's like listening to this podcast, Joe, you talk to people that have been there and done that. And so modeling after those people and learning from them so much smarter than going out there and just doing everything on your own and learning it from your own mistakes and your own blood and, and sweat and tears. Mm. You mentioned some foundational pieces really quickly. What are a couple others that you have in place now? One of the things that I've structured and something that we help people with is something called an EQRP that enables people to put money inside of this vehicle that is governed by the ERISA laws. This is 401k laws. And that locks up these assets where people can grow them protected from bankruptcies and creditors. It safeguards them and those things grow inside that plan tax-free forever. So even when they're taken out, $100 million gets taken out, it's tax-free. So I like that because it protects people from the government. It protects people from creditors. I didn't do that back here. I had just cash running. And so that one thing, that and insurance could fundamentally change somebody's outcome just having those two pieces in place. What's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? Total Control Financial forward slash best ever. And I would love to give everybody a copy of my books. And if they just want to go there and, and I'll send those out to them. There's a couple of options there. There's my story if they want to read more about it. I've heard it's kind of like reading a Breaking Bad episode. So, <laughs> so that might be fun for people. It's fun to look back. It was a little painful to go through it. And they can also get a copy of the book on the EQRP that gives them more info if, that, if that's something that, that they feel might be useful to build that foundation. I would love to give that to your listeners uh, from us. Mm, yeah. Well, thank you for that. And I will have that link in the show notes page. So best ever listener, you can just simply click the link that's in the show notes page. Thank you for being candid and sharing with us what happened and what you learned and what your attempting to do about it and what you're committed to doing about it. Don't get these types of interviews very often. It's usually people beating their chest, rightfully so in a lot of cases. And I love hearing about successes. I also know we can learn a lot from the challenging times, both personally and then also challenging times people have come across that we can glean from. So Appreciate you being on the show and sharing your story. I haven't seen Breaking Bad, but 
I will take your word for it because just from the title of the show, I can tell that it probably does align with you'd come across with Breaking Bad. So thank you again for being on the show. I hope you have a best ever weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Joe. It's been a pleasure. Are you looking to earn passive income through turnkey rental properties? If so, then go check out hipsterinvestments.com. Ali Boone's the founder of Hipster Investments. It's a aesthetically pleasing website, and you'll know what I mean when you go check it out. I just love the color palette. In addition to that, though, Ali has some wonderful content on both passive investing through turnkey rental properties as well as how to design your life. Go to hipsterinvestments.com.